Hello, I'm Eamon. I'm Conrad. And we are... Mega City Film, Film Club. Club. And we are back uh, to do the, another Film Club episode. We're back in what you previously referred to as uh, Mega City uh, State Wayne Manor. I'll yeah, say. absolutely, yes. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, Stately Clark Manor, of course. Yeah. You know. We're upstairs in my uh, little study and we're going to record because we're going to talk about a couple of films which, as you said last time, nobody ever talks about these two films. <clears throat> Unremarked upon from the community, certainly. And... Unlike Vietnam, we have been given at least one rule by Wooly Russell on Facebook, <laughs> who says we are not allowed to talk about or, or wish for Carl Urban's dread in Sylvester Stallone's Mega City One. <laughs> so we're going to try and avoid that uh, cliche, but we're going to talk about the two dread films. Yeah. Okay. So we will start, obviously, with Judge Dread, nineteen ninety-five. Oh yeah. The the thing that occurred to me was, for a lot of us Brits, 2000 AD was possibly our first experience of what has since become known as fan casting. Hmm. Because... Oh, yeah, of of which famous person you would like to play a role in things, sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Who are you going to cast as Dread and all the others? And we know that the director of this film, Danny Cannon actually has and I've got it written down here he's got Prog 534 in 1987 when he was 19 years old he's got his poster image of Harrison Ford is Judge Dredd yeah I I think he basically just recast Blade Runner to be Judge Dredd right (laughs) like like Daryl Hannah's Judge Anderson and stuff like that right yeah yeah (laughs) fine honestly I've watched I've watched the film like like, whatever (laughs) so 1995 Judge Dredd Sylvester Stallone obviously um when did you see the film? I saw it in the theater as a, as a fourteen year old lad. Right. I mean, I'll say I, I feel I feel like I've said this before. You know, I'm I'm pretty up on the on the on Judge Dredd on, on the '95 film. I like it a lot. It's a very it's an important film for me just because I feel like it's what got me into this maybe start thinking about this Judge Dredd character which in turn led to me reading to led to me watching the 2012 movie and then reading 2000 AD and I guess eventually because of that starting a podcast and finding my way to England basically like it's the space spin of 2000 origin story it's, that's very much the uh, that's very much the nail that for want of I ended up in England or something like that you know so I I, I can't be too down on it and you know for me and like while I was 14 it, it, I always think about that quote from uh, I, I looked up who said it from uh, Peter Graham who said that the golden age of science fiction is 12 yes and I, I was 14 for for the Judge Dredd film but you know, rewatching it for this podcast really made me remember just sort of all the like all the parts that everybody thinks are lame that I think are awesome because I'm still a, a kid at heart for it. So it's it's a Stallone '90s action uh, film. We were mm-hmm. talking downstairs about some of the others uh, Stallone action films. That Demolition Man had mm-hmm. come two years before. Yes. Also got Rob Schneider in it. Yeah, uh, it's got Sandra Bullock Sandra instead of Bullock Diane. Instead, instead of Diane Lane, but still a uh, still a, still a brunette uh, future movie star, future cop sidekick. Yep. Um, cliffhanger. I can't remember which year Cliffhanger was. One that I'm particularly fond of. Absolutely, John Lithgow. Very good. Yeah, also. I think you can't go wrong with John Lithgow as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and having done some climbing myself, I just like marvel at the 
Um, oh, nice, yeah. The outrageous nonsense of the climbing in that film. <laughs> um, so we're in peak Stallone action film territory. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's the controversial point that everybody knows about, which is that if you've got Stallone, he's got to take the helmet. Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge of, of Judge Dredd. I mean, I'll say... On Space Spinner and Big Meg One, you know, on, on on my podcasts that are coming out at the same time as this right now, you know, we're in late '93 going into '94, and you know, the announcement of the film has been, you know, has been made and that's going forward, and you know, I guess filming starts in sort of the end of '94 or something, and especially in the magazine where they have sort of have a larger letters section, there's so many letters about. He's going to take the helmet off. It's going to be terrible, that kind of stuff. Like, it's in, like you know, I think nowadays we definitely point to that as an example of what's wrong with the with the Judge Dredd movie. I think it's interesting that it's also identified as a problem from the start, basically. Right, okay. We knew it was going to happen. Um, obviously, as you say, it's an important film. You like it because, you know, you yeah. went to saw it at an important time. Um, what's great about it? What's really good about it? I mean, I love the the future world of Mega City One. I mean, you know, like you've talked about that sort of talking point of of bringing that to the urban movie. But I think you know, just this big city, like massive multi story city cityscape, all these flying cars going around and stuff like that. I wish um, you know, and then just sort of various um, weirdos walking around the streets and stuff. I wish there'd been a little bit more satirical stuff right. in it, I guess. Like, I always think back to, um, there's a part, you know, it, right at the start when Rob Schneider hacks that food bot and it says, like, yes. you know, eat recycled food, it's good for the environment and okay for you, which I think is good <laughs> is good phrasing. Um, you know, I like the judge, co- I like the dread costume. That really caught my imagination when I was a kid. Um, just of, of the helmet, of these big shoulder pads and stuff like that. I love a gun that shoots different bullets and talking to it to change what bullets it, 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 it shoots. I remember, I thought was really awesome. I'm a huge fan of uh, Armand Asante as Rico in the Judge Dredd film. I yes. think he's amazing. He's just just grabbing the scenery and, and, and just throwing it down his throat. <laughs> he's chewing it so much. You know, just this incredible, to, to me, just this incredible classic like cackling movie villain kind of stuff you know he says i am the chaos it's amazing all this you know like he's got 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 a couple speeches in there where he just talks about how he is a villain he is here to destroy everything you know what's that oh it's a it's an ancient puzzle about the the meaning of life Oh, what, what is the meaning of life? It ends, and then he shoots that guy. Oh, that's great. I don't know what people are complaining about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I would agree with you. Amanda Santi is fantastic, and he he wore coloured contact lenses to look more like Stallone, and mm-hmm. he, he apparently spent ages studying Stallone's movies to actually... Yeah, he, there, there's, a, there's work in the performance that yeah. you wouldn't think would be needed, but... Yeah. I, I do think like that's one of my favorite lines actually in the film is just when they confront each other for the first time, and I, th- I think Joan Chen says like he looks a lot like you, and uh, Armando Sante says he is a lot like me. You know, I think that's a that's a fun that's a fun like set of dialogue or something. I don't know. And if I can get to the plot for a moment, but yeah. I'll start with 
that very probably old-fashioned Dungeons and Dragons grid of where where you are on your the chaotic or lawful or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Armanasanti's uh, Rico is very much chaotic evil. Absolutely. Where's Judge Dredd on that grid? Would you say Judge Dredd is the epitome of lawful neutral? I thought on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. You know, I mean, I think all Judge Dredd always is. He's always lawful. If neutral. you were if you were putting together a comic book. Like of all comp, like an archetypal one of those alignment, you know. So sorry if you sorry if you're if you're if you're not the right kind of nerd, then in 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 D and D the alignments are sort of there's either lawful, neutral, or chaotic, and then good, neutral, or evil. And so the like the center square is sort of true neutral, where you can sort of do like you can do whatever you want or something like that, and. You know, I, I think if you were doing com- like if you were picking from every comic book character ever, I'd I, I'd always put Dread as lawful neutral, right? You know? Whereas like Superman might be lawful good, for instance, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But you know, for Dread, yeah, it's 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 the law, it's the letter of things, of course, right? You know, always the, that the classic Dread thing where he arrests the mugger and the person being mugged for incitement, you know, or something like that, and. So obviously, I know I know what Rico is trying to do. He's trying to be the chaos. Mm-hmm. And what's Judge Griffin's plan? <laughs> oh, he just wants to be in charge. He just wants to be boss, basically, and bring back the Janus project. Yeah, he's sort of going to bring. He's going to clone these guys up and okay. do that. I think it's something secondarily interesting that within that council. In the Council of... Sorry, I'm jumping around. On the, on the Council of Five and Judge Dredd, all the characters have names that I now recognize as, you know, major Judge Dredd players. There's yeah. Magruder on there, Judge Griffin, of course, the chief judge during the Apocalypse War with the eye patch and stuff like that. Um, and uh, there's a Judge Silver who's been who's been whitewashed, but still, yeah. like, you know, that's still the name and stuff like that. It's interesting because I think, you know, the, the deeper reference would have been to have Griffin be called... Um, Oh God! What's his name from the guys in Australia? Oh, from the the Judah. Jud- yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. If, so if he'd been like, uh, if he'd been Judd, because right. that guy was also into cloning and stuff yes, like that in a big way. Yeah. You know, sorry, it's my no. It's all right. Talking, it would have been judge things. I'm jumping around. <laughs> uh, we got Max von Sydow as Fargo. Mm-hmm. Max von Sydow. It's difficult to think of him being bad in any movie, really, isn't it? I mean, no. Just he classes up the joint. I think. Yeah. Sort sort of like again one of these one of these elder statesman guys, like like, like Christopher Lee too. You know, yes. sort of like you yeah. gotta cast these older guys in yeah. here to sort of have white hair and yeah, make things classier. Yeah, he does. He makes any film classier that he's in. Uh, the Angel Gang are particularly well executed, as it were, and you know, or or particularly well brought to the screen, aren't they? Absolutely. You know when um, my on Space Spinner, my my, my, my podcast, my, my co-host and I did a a commentary track on the on the Dread movie, and I think that's something that really blew my partner Fox away was how especially Mean Machine was brought to the screen yeah. in a way that is really you know it's it's just what he looks like in the comics pretty much, yeah. And he sort of does the Mean Machine thing. He says, "Is that so?" and whatever, which is sort of one of Mean's catchphrases in the comic. You know, he's got the numbers and all that stuff. It's great. Yeah, it's just a shame in a way they don't have more time for the Angel Gang in a way because they're so absolutely. Good. I mean, I think I'd say a big like the the, the problem with the with, with the Judge Dread movie as compared to Dread the 2012 one. 
I definitely think that the the 95 Dread film is trying to be so big and have so many parts of the Dread universe in it, you know? So you've got, so they got to do a little bit in the Cursed Earth. They got to do a little bit with clones. You know, they got to do a little, like, or as they think, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves with the 2012 Dread, you know, it's literally just a block, like dealing with a block war. Like it's literally the first five minutes of the Stallone yeah. Dread movie, yeah. basically. Yeah. Costuming, you mentioned. We know you've got the book, The Art of yes. Judge Dread Film, with us. And we know that Gianni Versace was, was involved somehow in making lots of different designs for Stallone to look at. Yes, I believe that's the genesis of the famous uh, Judge Dredd cod piece. The cod piece. Of, uh, of these, of these uh, characterizations and stuff. And I was talking about how superhero or comic book movies of the 2000s onwards, mm-hmm. we get this costuming trend which is to emphasise the practicality of the costumes and make them actually things that people might wear and we get that carrying through as far as like the Avengers when you get you know we get Captain America wearing something that he might actually wear yeah I mean I feel like this is something that you and I have talked about several times and honestly I'll sort of I'll talk about it at a drop of a hat ready to talk about but I think Dread I think is maybe the the last of these comic book films where it's really important that you take what's on the comic book page and put it on the screen in a way that has the downside of sort of sometimes things that work on the page don't work on the screen. Right. You know, and that the idea of a guy having a big golden eagle for one shoulder, I think it's amazing but I could see people sort of thinking like that's a little silly or something like that. I think it's really um, like first Blade in 98 and then the first X-Men film in 2000 that I think really sort of change this trend, I yes. guess, and be like, all right, well, I think, like, I'm sorry, I, this is this is just my assumptions that I think there's a point where costume designers are like, all right, let's let's just try to make these guys look cool, yeah, like to a contemporary audience, yeah, and looking like the comic book can sort of follow from there, you know, just to kind of get people into these characters and not writing them off instantly, yeah. And I think it's then once that groundwork is established, the so things can get a little sillier in the course of the Avengers movies and stuff. But even then, I think, you know, like, besides Thor, I'd say, I think most of the Marvel movies, too, like, superhero costumes are a little bit more sedate, generally, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, you look at, like, Captain America's uniform, right? Like, he's got the shield and stuff, but he doesn't really have, like, the wings on his his head. Mm. He doesn't, you know, it's muted blues and it's got sort of tactical assemblies and stuff like that, you know. It's sort of, it's built, like, and the the classic, and it's sort of a variation on a costume where in universe they literally have an explanation for it as being part of, you know, U.S. propaganda, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I think you sort of see the Ur version of that again in the tw- in the twenty twelve dread where he's got this streamlined like yes. realistic uniform, yeah. right? Or you know, to certain definitions of realistic. Yeah, I think so. We'll see, we'll talk about that in just yeah. a moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm just interested in the mid nineties. They for the screen costume they exaggerated some of the stuff even further, mm-hmm. and I know where you are with Space Spinner two thousand at the moment. 
you could say that there's a certain uh, like Bisley, uh, mm-hmm. Ian Gibson had done it before then, maybe Dermot Power, Greg Staples, these people who just like exaggerate the shoulder pads Absolutely. even more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The show. Yeah. It, like I think uh, we've, when this episode, like soon after, I believe this comes out, we'll be putting out our coverage of the, uh, of some of the poster progs. Right. And there's one of those with a Greg Staples, um, image of dread that it where dreads basically just a shoulder like a helmet a shoulder pad and a giant belt buckle right. basically and yeah. that's that's all that you can see of him pretty much yeah well you know where you get to, you get that he couldn't even turn his head properly yeah. right yeah and i think that happens for a lot of comic book characters too i feel like i you know i've definitely seen like batman where where batman's ears are like four yes. feet long or something yeah. like that as well yeah you know? i think there's definitely a move to exaggerate things that then you know, when you're trying to be faithful to it in in film, can make it a challenge. I think you you're you're trying to appeal to this core audience, but you've also got you know that core audience can't carry a film. Basically, I noticed the Batman artist is off topic, but I noticed the Batman artist Kelly Jones recently tweeted a picture, a sketch he'd done based on the Dark Knight Returns Batman, mm-hmm. and his tweet was, "Look, I can do short bat ears if I want to." <laughs> <laughs> Because he's back here. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So back to Judge Dredd and Stallone. Mm-hmm. All right, we've talked about the costume. We've talked about some of the uh, the other uh, characters and actors and so on. Um, is it a good action movie of the period? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm steeped in, like, I again, this is a lot of, like, I, I rewatched it and I was sort of pumping my fist in parts, like... There's fun stuff in there. He's punching people. There's a big, big hover bike fight that sort of also has some comedic elements in it. Um, I love, you know, the the ABC robot, which we haven't talked about a lot. Uh, Hammerstein from the ABC yep. Warriors showing up is, is, is a delight. Yeah. Just sort of this big, chunky guy running around ripping off people's arms and legs and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think it's pretty good. Like, yeah. you know, if, if I do say so myself, I guess, or sort of if... Like, I think it's become very popular to make fun of the Judge Dredd movie, and there's certainly a lot to make fun of. I wouldn't yeah. say otherwise, but I'll also say that there's just parts that I, you know, I remember thinking they were so cool when I saw the film originally. I remember being, again, I was just really struck by Judge Dredd when I saw it, when I saw the original film. I remember trying to find, you know, of course, the opening of the film shows all these Dread comic book covers, yes, know, from these dip from various publications and stuff. And I remember going to like the five and I was on vacation, so I went to like the five and dime or something where they had the sort of spinner racks of Marvel and DC comics and like trying to find a Judge Dread comic to read, but you know, w- was unable to, of course. It was of 19, course. 1995, I was probably too young for 2000 AD or the magazine at that point, and if it wasn't an American comic book shop, it would have been like sort of on a shelf somewhere. It it wouldn't have been with the re- with the rest of the new stuff. I sure. imagine. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned comic comic elements. We have to mention, of course, it's a Rob Schneider film, <laughs> and we were earlier on talking about the movie career of Rob Schneider mm-hmm. and which films he's in where he's any good. <laughs> Maybe Home Alone too. <laughs> Uh, he's all right in Demolition Man, isn't he? And he's fine. I mean, he's very much a bit character in Demolition yes. Man. He's just sort of there to... He's in the background, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, and just do, do the example of, like, the, the milk toast nature of the future, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
Okay, so he's in it. I mean, yeah, I listen, I think he's okay. Right. Like, you know, I don't know. The, like the, 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 when he makes fun of Stallone, I feel like he's doing the impression we're all doing. Yes. It's pretty good. Says, I am the law. You yeah. Know? Pretty good. Okay. Um, I'm always slightly bothered when they have to introduce a female character for the female lead to fight with. <laughs> And um, I do think that Judge Hershey should have wiped the floor with uh, Joan Chen mm-hmm. as Doctor, whatever her name is. But yeah, it was a that was a movie staple, wasn't it? You have to introduce a female bad guy for. I feel like sometimes also, like it goes the other way too, where a female a female hero is is introduced because there's a real dynamite evil lady that's right. them to take her out. But yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, this sort of. Different gender fighting is always always a taboo in Hollywood, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, they even, they probably do it, they have Judge Anderson in the 2012 Dread. They do have her, obviously, fighting blokes, but they also have a female judge for her, too. Right, yeah, that's more specifically, yeah. Like, yeah. like, you're here to be killed by Anderson, pretty much. So, and the other thing I'm just going to mention is that we've both read the DC movie, the DC Comics adaptation of Judge Dredd the movie absolutely written by Andy Helfer and drawn of course by Carlos Sesquera yeah the the one time uh, Carlos Sesquera has drawn Dredd's face freak out yeah Um, and interestingly I noticed that it was obviously because when they do movie or when they used to do movie versions or when they used to do novelizations Mm -hmm. I think the writers and artists were given an earlier version of the script because yes. there's some changes, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, I like listen. I, I if we talk about spoilers, the uh, one the uh, the Fergie character is definitely not sort of a, like drawn like Rob Schneider in, the, no. in, in that comic, and he also dies in, yeah. in, in the course of it, which yeah. is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we both read that, and, and it does. Oh, and and the comic doesn't have the. Uh, the motorcycle, the the hover cycle chase no. is what I feel like. Those are sort of the bigger yeah. changes. But it is fun seeing just the the, the dial. A lot of the di- like your your big lines from the movie sort of in the in the com- in the comic as well. And I guess Carlos was not shown what the um, the puzzle box gun was going to look mm-hmm. like in the film, and it looks like he's drawn like a Rubik snake gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, Listen, you know, it was fine. I, yeah. I was I was good with it either way. And yeah. Again, I love that line. Just that it ends, you know. Yeah. And it's Carlos drawing dread, and you know we love Carlos obviously uh, on both our podcasts. Um, so there we are. Okay, so that's Judge Dread, nineteen ninety five, still best of Stallone. Any wrap up thoughts? I, I will mention again that Space Spinner two thousand has done a commentary track mm. because you and Fox were in different continents at the time where you were watching. Yeah. Well, we had to find. A version you could both watch at the same time. Like, we sat down, we figured it out, we we sat down to watch it, and only then did I realize that we really didn't have a way to watch it at the same time. You know, because I was in in California, he was in Germany. Yeah. Which is not, I would say that's not a good way to do a commentary track of a film. I would not recommend it. Right. Um, But so... Basically, I found a version of the film and sent him the, the the file for it, and I think it was a version that had been like cut down for TV release or something like that, so that there wasn't anything cut out of the film. But I think a lot of the not like like um, 
there's a line in uh, in uh, in in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place where he says that uh, every non-dialogue section was considered for 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 fast motion or or, or for slow motion, right? Know? And I feel like it's the opposite of fast motion, just so that the movie's like fifteen or twenty minutes shorter than the actual right than a real version of the movie would be. So our commentary track does not work at all. You right. can't really. The dream is that you'd press play on both of them at the same time and it would completely sync up. It does not. Right. It, it's really messed up. But there's no there's no lost content in there. So I guess if you wanted to just sort of listen to us talk through the movie and have memories of the film as well, I think that would work. Right. But I'm just it's really something that that chaps my hide about this situation. Okay. Someday. Someday. I don't think we'd, we'd redo it, but it's definitely, it, it, it definitely put me off of doing commentary tracks in the, in the, in the future. Okay. Uh, well, we'll gloss over that. Then, Thank you. I, I definitely appreciate it. I guess it was pre-pandemic, and one of the things I've noticed from the pandemic mm. is now we now have the watch party button seems like a absolutely yeah, I think thing. it was I want to say it was like Christmas nine, 2019 or right. something like that so oh. right on the cusp <laughs> you know we we, we we brought it into exist you know the uh, the the commentary track failed so that the uh, Star Lordathon could 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 succeed or something right. like that you know okay Judge Dredd 1985 Sylvester Stallone actually I think a film that both of us have got quite a lot of time for Listen, it. We just I'll enjoy fight. it. Listen, like, fight me. I think Judge <laughs> Dredd's fine. It's a good, it's a fun movie. Good to see when you're, like, a preteen or early teenager just to see some sci-fi action and stuff like that. A good movie, no. A fun movie, yes, I would yeah. say. Okay, right. There we are. Fun movie, not a good movie. <laughs> and we'll just mention that there was some trouble behind the camera, which I think was Stallone... Well, I've heard two, I've heard both sides. I've heard mm-hmm. D- Danny Cannon was difficult to work with, but I've also heard that Stallone's team basically took over editing and everything of the film. Interesting. Yeah. Which is interesting because we're going to come now to 2012. Ooh. Dread. Yeah. In 3D, possibly. Uh, well, I saw it in 3D. I also saw it in 2D. I saw it a bunch of times in the cinema. Uh, but I guess you probably... Well, if, if I have one great, like, jealousy or, like... Um... Looking back, jealousy, it's just all of this stuff. Like, it seems like the entire 2080 fandom was really involved with the release of this film. Yes. You know, and there's all these pictures of folks in in the uh, cosplays and, like, lining around the block to go see it, like, when it premieres and stuff like that. It seems like it's an amazing time. Right. Um, I saw Dread in 3D. Oh, you did? In, yeah. in early August of, 20, of uh, 2012, yeah. Yeah. Uh, half the budget of the 1995 movie, and that's in unadjusted dollars. So you mm-hmm. know, we worked out. I think it was about a third of the budget, probably in terms of what Stallone had to work with. Um, but it was the movie that we know John Wagner's involved as a consultant. Mm-hmm. We know that Jock, the artist, was doing design work and then they actually saw what he was doing just by himself and said actually hey come and work for the film <laughs> um, um, the guy what's his name is it Jeff Darrow from Porter's Head the band was trying to do the music for it and ended up releasing his own album of music okay. from it um, so a lot of uh, a lot of involvement from the 2000 community as you say <laughs> and the creators and so on and of course Alex Garland huge fan of 2000 AD mm-hmm. 
Pete Travis is the director. The version that you you hear about is pretty much that Alex Garland directed this movie, mm. but that I don't know how it worked. I don't know if he, they, the studio wanted a sort of a recognised name to supervise him or whatever, mm-hmm. how it worked. It, it's slightly odd, isn't it? Yeah, you know, all these backroom deals and yeah, political behind the camera yeah. yeah yeah and i mean it just feels like the the 2012 dread just looks kind of fraught i guess i think for me always like again i'm not sort of an actual movie insider person there's things that i pick up on and i think a real telling thing about dread is just that when it starts there's like six different production company logos right, right. as you sort of go into it you know yeah um, so, what can we say about 2012's Rove? Now, obviously, a lot of people disappointed with the look of Mega City 1, where it was very much seemed like not that too dissimilar from ghettos mm. of our, you know, of the present time. Um, and then, obviously, they do some visual stuff with the visual effects and flying drones and certain yeah. in-joke names on, on city blocks and right. so on. Um <laughs> The costuming we've sort of referred to already because here they take the we're going to make it look practical and, and tactical as you said. Right. Yeah. It's sort of it's sort of built up from like motorcycle leathers and like actual body and like you know contemporary body armor and then making that dready versus taking the dread uniform from the comics and making that something that a human being could wear. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know there's been all sorts of posts and theories about the helmet and the eye line behind the helmet, but anyway, we won't go into that. And and you've already mentioned this. Whereas Stallone's Dread tries to squeeze pretty much the canon of Judge Dread into its running time, mm-hmm. this film just says we're just doing not even one day. We're going to do like half a day, right? You know, we're going to do just like. Uh, one shift for dread. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, it's sort of you. You sort of go. I, I guess from afternoon, from an afternoon to morning, basically, in the course of the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah where he has a, a bit of a, a tough time, but at the end of it, just says, "Perps were uncooperative." You know? right. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very dreadlike. So, um, I'm going to guess that we're we're pretty good fans of this film as well. What did you make of this one? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like again, just talking about the on the. You know, in my path to the to, to the present day, like really, like the twenty seeing the twenty twelve dread really reignited my desire to get to know the character and stuff. It's really after watching, I think after watching the dread film and then being vaguely involved with, I think the the Facebook community around like the make a dread sequel kind of thing. Yeah, that eventually led to me deciding to start reading two thousand A.D. And sort of the rest is history. So yeah. <laughs> of just like like sort of reading 2080 and sort of late 20, starting in late 2012 into 2013, and then eventually, you know, within the next couple of years, starting a podcast and and, and going from there. Yeah. Very much like for me, that dread movie is very much the start of of of, of that. Like really, where you know, I've been interested in the character but that really made me decide, like, oh, I really want to l- l- learn more about this guy and about sort of the the comic that it comes from and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we love this film as well. It is fantastic. I think it, I think this is, um, I think in terms of the writing of this film, it does what I suppose film screenplays have done in more recent years, which is 
sets up stuff and then pays off that stuff very Absolutely. much you know yeah, yeah. Um, particularly I guess the um, are you ready line between yeah Dread I like and that Anderson. a lot yeah and just I think also just, I, I really like the structure of you know of uh, a, a rookie sort of having a an assessment I yeah. think is a very good way to sort of introduce people to you know a, a new world basically yeah. because not only because not only because you know, you can just literally sort of explain things because, you know, parts where Dredd has Anderson sort of explain reasonings or things as yeah. sort of in the form of a test sort of of her judgeship or whatever. Yeah. But it also is just providing that knowledge to us, the the viewer as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that works brilliantly. I think, as you say, the first, the rookie's assessment and it's all done in one shift and, yeah, they can explain things to each other and then to us as well. Um you know, it explains things like the uh, the lawgiver mm-hmm. um, DNA check, however that yeah. works, you know, and all that stuff, and that all pays off brilliantly. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in terms of Alex Garland's writing of it, I think it's um, it's a superlative bit of writing and and you know production in the way that they do it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm I'm actually really in, like for me, I really liked the the future of the of the Dread movie, just because it felt like. Um, it felt like it was again. It was like the future, like you know, in the 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 opening of Dread, um, Carl Urban sort of, or you know, the Dread character talks about how you know the mega structures of the future are built onto this onto the structures of the old world, hmm. and that's what it you know sort of. So there, so to me, it makes sense that you've got both these big mega blocks. And maybe some big mega highways, but then, you know, there's also sort of the day-to-day in a highway that looks pretty similar to today and in cars that are that are not that dissimilar just because, you know, I mean, it's something that I think doesn't get remarked on a ton, but Dredd's always in, the Judge Dredd is, is an inherently post-apocalyptic setting, hmm. right? And you don't really need to know the apocalypse, but it's, an apo- it's still an, an apocalypse. It's one that, you know, something's happened that... You know, society hasn't evolved to a to a max to a Mad Max or Walking Dead level, but everybody's still dealing with the after effects of things that have, you know, caused a lot of damage that have stopped technology's growth and stuff like that. And so, you know, having things appear not too dissimilar from what they are today, I think, also makes sense to me. Yeah. Yes. And then also, then you get to. Uh, to peach trees to the city block that's at, at at the center of the dread film, and I think I just really love I I love that setting. I just all the you know two hundred levels and sort of mm. you know these apartment buildings sort of around a big central atrium. You know these blast doors that open and shut seem very cool. The idea that there's like these you know mid air like skate parks or like parks where people can go like on the outside of the building and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, different eight, like movie theaters and like hospitals and stuff on the different floors. I think it's a good, it's a great, I think it's a really good, just like adaption of the city block concept from the judge red comics. You know, the idea that everything you'd need is at least theoretically within this city block. You know, you could from your, from when you're born to when you die, you'd never leave basically. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, but then I think it also then is like, but also, you know, it's everything shitty. Like, it's not like, you know, there, there might be a gleaming clean city block out there. 
But here in the in the depths of the of the mega city, you know, you've got these places, but they don't quite work. Everything's yeah. very grimy and dingy and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Carl Urban, obviously, as Dre. Carl mm. Urban, who, as I've been listening to on another podcast, has been described as like a franchise king. He is in oh, absolutely, the, yeah, yeah. He does all the franchises, and he is either he's either very geeky himself, or he leans into the genre stuff um, <laughs> yeah. for fandom. You know, he 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 enjoys the fandom, it seems, and and all that goes with it. Absolutely, uh, and of course, famously. Does not take the helmet off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing, I can't remember exactly what the date is, but somewhere around about the same decade, we're going to get Hugo Weaving as V for Vendetta, and won't, you know, who doesn't famously mm-hmm. doesn't take the mask off. Yeah. Um, and it feels like that similar sort of vibe here that Kyle Urban has said since that he. Uh, I think when they said to him, you're not going to take the helmet off, he said, I'm not doing the movie if he takes the helmet off or something like <laughs> I that. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, as uh, as a conspiracy-minded uh, person, <laughs> I think it might also just be that, uh, you know, I, I think Carl Herbert's amazing. I think he's yes. really great. I've liked him in a lot of things. Um, I would say that there's also some distance between Carl Urban and Sylvester Stallone in terms of being a, a, a famous movie star, I guess. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not... I'm, 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 I'm not throwing shade or no. anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, I feel like, especially in our little microcosm of the internet, we all love Carl Hart because he's Judge Dredd, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, there's all these other places, but I think that, I don't know... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, sorry, I don't want to be an asshole, but I think that Carla, like, like if you're going to have a movie, like, it's okay if he takes the helmet off, or, right. or, or if, if he keeps the helmet on, like, right. you aren't sort of missing on, like, we got to see this famous person at some point. He's not as famous as Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he'd agree with that. Yeah, I think I he'd agree know. with that. Yeah, I think most people, because most people aren't as famous as Sylvester I, yeah, Stallone. You but know. I think that that might even be different... After the boys and stuff like that, you know, where I feel like just him having the, the the difference between being a really dependable like third or fourth lead in a film versus having being the the main guy or or, or one of the main guys in a big on a big show that's had a bunch of seasons and stuff yes. like that. I think has definitely raised him up as well. Yeah, or even McCoy in the star in the J.J. Abrams mm-hmm. Star Treks. Yeah, but anyway, so there he is. He's here as Dread. I love him as Dread. He's so good. He is so good. You know, he is so good, and he, his delivery of lines uh, throughout the film is just mm-hmm. just brilliant. Um, he obviously also gets to deliver the "I am the law" line, absolutely, and yeah. does a much more um, what would we say appro- genre appropriate delivery of the line, <laughs> non over the top version, non over the top line. Yes, I think it, I, I I will say sorry to, that that sort of I am the law catchphrase. I think it's interesting. Just it's such a central part of I think both film dreads. I but you know go, doing space spinner and running through you know 15 or 16 years of 2000 AD dread doesn't say it as much as you'd think yeah. in the in the course of the comics at least till now i feel like that might actually change once the movie comes out but like yeah. you know i i'd say he says it less than say ben grimm says it's clobbering time <laughs> in in the pages of the fantastic 4 you know sort of issue per issue or something yeah. like that yeah true yes <laughs> um 
but yeah, he's great. Olivia Thirlby as Anderson, I think, is great as well. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think she does a good job. Both, you know, I really like the the parts where she's using her psychic powers and stuff like that. And I think she also does a really good job of just being kind of a rookie judge and dealing with the apparent psychic trauma. Like, sorry small p psychic trauma yes. of being a judge in Mega City 1 that like has so fully molded um, um, the Dread character you know yeah. her sort of seeing like yeah. what it means to be a judge now that's like pretty crappy actually <laughs> and some great exchanges between the two I mean we've talked about the are you ready um, question which is repeated several times mm-hmm. but also the um, when at one point she looks at Dread and says you know, is that the wrong answer? And he says, you're the psychic. Yeah. Which is, is a... Uh, it, it manages... I mean, Alex Garland, I think, manages to bring in some of the sort of dark John Wagner-ish humour mm-hmm. um, in those exchanges while all around them um, hell is breaking loose yeah. in peach trees. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, we... You know, as you say, you saw all the Facebook posts and all the people like myself going to see it several times. Um, turns out that's not enough in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we'll perhaps just mention briefly there was also that film, there was the bad timing of the film, The Raid. Absolutely, I mean, that's very much like this was my challenge trying to get people to see Judge Dredd, yeah, <laughs> or, or to see Dredd, um, in America. Was yeah. that. Basically, when you talk about dread, the two responses are just someone doing a Sylvester Stallone impression yep. and saying, "Oh, isn't that movie just like a ripoff of the Raid or or the same as the Raid?" You know, yeah. which are sort of both. You know, they're both cop movies sort of fighting their way through an apartment building full yep. of enemies. You know, there, there are similarities. Yes. I think. I mean, maybe not functionally, because of course it's the difference between you know m- martial arts and futuristic, you know, Mega City One gunplay or whatever. But, you know, they they've they scratch similar itches, I'd say. Right. So I mean I guess it made its money back eventually on on video and DVD and mm-hmm. streaming, but it took ages, didn't it? Yeah. And I remember just like afterwards there being specific like fan efforts to you know I, I I really remember just a couple like Facebook groups that were like make a dread sequel or let's like you know we'll all buy the DVD on this day to show yes. that there's popular support for it and yeah, stuff like I that I think I did that yeah I, I did too or, yeah. Yeah. or the Blu-ray you know yeah. what I'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah. okay um, I mean both our podcasts from time to time fall victim to the some sort of rebellion announcement in between recording and release. So who knows? We might get a Mega City One TV announcement by the time this comes out. Hey, if 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 if, if that happens and it's positive, I think that's the kind of curse that we're all looking for. Honestly, yeah. but let's, uh, we're not holding our breath on that mm-hmm. one, are we? Yeah, I mean, I would love there to be this Mega City One TV show. I would love it to happen. Yeah. You know, I would, you know, even if Carl Urban can't be Judge Dredd and they just bring in some randos for judges or whatever, and they just sort of do more stuff in this setting and do more things to get, you know, more people to learn about 2000 AD and these sort of, you know, Dredd-based characters and stuff like that. Yeah. Would be great. I don't know. I don't, like... <laughs> Let's encourage people yeah. to watch both of them, is yeah. the answer. Absolutely. Um, 
I think I think Dread 2012 is the better film. Absolutely. I think the more fun movie might be the Sylvester Stallone movie for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's just like I I think Lena Headey is really great as um, Mama as, as Mama, and I'm of course a big fan of her from from Game of Thrones as yeah. well and stuff. But man, just Armand Asante is so great. <laughs> it's like. Because he he just he his performance is one that I feel like you know no like that just no sane director would let it happen in many cases you know where it's like you know like we're doing what you're gonna shout how much uh, what did you say literally tearing down the scenery yeah. and throwing it down like, I mean yeah just like a starving man who's been captured in like a in, 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 in like a grocery store just destroying the scenery okay so those are the two movies we, we actually we do love both and we will we will um, we know Absolutely. people have problems with 95 Judge Dredd still Lester Stallone but we we love it yeah I mean I would say I would say if you haven't seen especially the, the Stallone one if you haven't seen it in a while give it a chance but yeah. I mean I, I I always come away from it feeling like ha- like enjoying it I really like the um you know it's got that stirring orchestral theme and st- throughout it and stuff like that um, I think it's pretty fun and just yeah like again I did yeah I enjoy it yeah. I, I would say again not a good movie but 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 a fun movie yeah and if we think of those huge muscled action movies of the late 80s and the 90s most of them are preposterous but they're a lot of fun aren't they absolutely I mean I'd happily put this in uh, if, if you're doing a big dumb film festival or, or like a DVD pack or something yeah. like if you get one of those ones where you get like you know four movies in one DVD or something, you yeah. know, with, obviously with Demolition Man is the, is the first choice, but also, you know, various, st- you know, Stallone or uh, Schwarzenegger movies or Jean-Claude Van Damme movies too, yeah. you know, put Time Cop in there as well, I think, just for keeping sci-fi things or The Running Man or something. The Running Man is ludicrous, but a lot of fun. Commando with Schwarzenegger of course. is just, again, oh, man. I watched that very recently and it is such... An outrageous movie, but it's so much fun. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're just like, you know, honestly, I feel like it, it, it makes Judge Dredd end up being weirdly cerebral, like, along with Demolition Man, where they're sort of trying to, you know, also establish a setting and a futuristic concept, along with just sort of, let's have some explosions, like, whatever. <laughs> You've got to run away from explosion and dive. Yeah. Listen, I'm... <laughs> If you look back at that explosion, it's over. <laughs> Unacceptable. It's like Orpheus. You mustn't look back. Right. Um, I'm not going to ask you to choose between these two Judge Dredd movies because I think we both, we recommend them both. I yeah. love them both. Um, I will just point out that my daughter, Jenny Downstairs, reminded us that there's another Judge Dredd movie which Absolutely. might come up on a future film club because we could do Judge Minty and the Strontium Dog Search and Destroy movies and we could even try and get... Steve Green. Uh, yeah, I feel come. like I, I, I feel like many of the of the filmmaking Steves could probably be available. A couple of Steve of Steve Steve Stelakini yeah. as well. And I know there's definitely yeah, I know there's other f- fan films out there too. I think there's some a, a couple Rogue Trooper ones. I think right. Oh, there is a that's right. Yes. And then I know just sort of sorry. I'm just brainstorming about 2000 AD films. I know that movie Hardware is is based on a 
Yes. And Judge Dredd's side story as well from the 80s. Infamously, yes. Yes. Uncredited ripoff of Steve McManus's and Kevin O'Neill's shock story. Right, yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I think there's still still some stuff for the specific 2000 AD related things. We do have plenty to talk about if we come back for future film clubs. And we are... Um, as we record, it's about a week from Thor Love and Thunder, so we will be coming back with a Thor Love and Thunder review at some point as well. Yeah, so these comic book, like, not for the comic books I'd like them to be, but for other comic books, they're certainly still rolling them out. Okay. So, Mega City Film Club will return. Until then... I'm Conrad. I'm Eamon, and we have been... Mega, Mega City, City Film, Film Club! Club. Hello, I'm Eamon. I'm Conrad. And we are Mega City Film Club. And we're in the coffee shop. Uh, It's a Friday morning. Two days ago, we went to see Thor Love and Thunder. That's right. As promised, Thor 4. Yeah, very excited. Just quickly, before I ask you about it, let's run through the first one. Thor 1, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. What'd you make of that one? I liked it a lot. Um, You know, one of those first, uh, like, phase one Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, I think... To my mind, it's actually one of the first. I I mark it as an important superhero movie because it's one of the first ones that wasn't a direct origin story. Right. Like, you know, Thor starts the movie as Thor. He ends the movie as Thor. He's not Thor in the middle, but that's a trope for a different time, basically. Right. <laughs> and uh, I love the very Jack Kirby in um, Destroyer. Creature. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was very faithful to the comics characters and stuff like that, yeah. for sure. Okay, Thor 2, The Dark World, we have to look up, directed by Alan Taylor. The most, one of the most maligned of the, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I, think, I feel like. I watched it again recently, and I still really don't know what's going on with that film. Um, a bunch of stuff happens. Yeah. It just Self. somehow... Christopher Eccleston is involved. It's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, gave up being Doctor Who so he could go and be covered in latex. And Anyway, yeah, okay. Thor 3 Ragnarok, directed by Taika Waititi. Yes. What about that one? Oh, man, I love... I mean, I think everybody knows I'm a pretty silly person. And I really love the, uh, you know, after Dark World, I really loved in Ragnarok, just the, this decision to make things bright and colorful and funny and sort of be an action comedy as opposed to a sci-fi action movie or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, I think it's a masterpiece, that one. I think it absolutely hits the right the right balance of action and humour and Taika Waititi's, yeah, as you say, infused silliness. And yeah. the Jack, again, they lean into the Jack Kirby on that, which I like as well. Um, the Hulk's in it, which is great. Yeah, that one's, I think, brilliant. Yeah. So, Thor Love and Thunder, we've been to see it tonight. Yes. What did you think, Conrad? I liked it. I thought it was fun. Um, you know, I really liked just a lot of... Like it, it, it had similar sort of, like, funny beats and stuff. Like, I would say very much... Like it's a comedy, I would say, like yeah. sort of a, 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 a comedy and action stuff, as opposed to maybe an action movie with funny bits. I guess. I mean, very similar. In, in t- I mean, as it would be with the same director and stuff. Very similar in tone to Ragnarok. Yeah. Also to the um, to the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, especially just it's built around this sort of '80s hair metal soundtrack as well. I like the soundtrack. I like the music. Um... Yeah, that was all great. Having some, you know, Guns N' Roses and lots of jokes about a character called Axel and everything yeah. like that. That was great. It's, and it's certainly, it's very colourful, very, very, uh, mm. it is very silly, isn't it? I yeah, very colourful and sort of, 
you know, and then the absence of color being specifically ominous as well, which I think is an interesting At one point, yeah, that, counterpoint. Was, that was quite well done. Um, I have to say that I thought this time, I thought they went, they leaned too far into the comedy. I could see that, sure. Particularly for the first half of the movie, mm-hmm. where it just seemed like they were really just going for the laughs the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I think, I'd say also... In the, I feel like the first half was really fast. If yes. that makes sense, like yeah. I feel like we were, you were, we, we were kind of jumping from thing to thing, and there wasn't really a lot of time to like sort of explain or even when there were jokes to kind of like dwell with the jokes and sort yeah. of like you know, yeah, get as much humor as you could out of them and stuff like that. I think I think the other thing that Thor Ragnarok really benefited from was the great performance by Kate Blanchett as the villain, mm-hmm. and this time we get Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher. And it, at times I thought it was great. I don't know, what did you make of him? But it was, I had trouble figuring out the tone of the character. Yes, yes. It was a bit variable, wasn't because, it? Like, because he does a lot of the, like, you know, grim, like, I will have my revenge stuff. Yes. But then, like, there's a big section where he intimidates a bunch of prisoners and stuff like that. Does it in kind of a weird, silly way almost? Yeah, that feels like it's two different tones for the character that didn't really make a lot of sense, I guess. Yeah, I found that I thought it was very variable, I couldn't quite work out what Christian Bale was doing a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and his accent seemed to be varying between I don't know, alien god murderer and strange cockney storyteller. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. There was, yeah, he just does a bit like in, in like midway through. It's just kind of like okay. Yeah. And talking about accents that might be a bit variable, and about getting your vengeance in this world or the next, Russell Crowe as Zeus. <laughs> I love it. We talked about this in the theater, like while we were waiting for the end credits and yeah. stuff like that. I'm like, I think it's so ridiculous that all of that. Whenever you have a movie with ancient Greek or Roman gods. They're always just English. Yeah. They're all like, like like posh English people. Right. When they would be like um, Russell Crowe channeling like the dad for my big fat Greek wedding, you know? Like that they're 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 they're, they're Greek guys, you know? Like they'd be Roman gods who'd be cast like you you you'd cast like the Sopranos or something like that, you know? I I mean so, I so we listen, true to the to the source, but maybe not true to our concepts of these things. Right, okay. You know, I'd love to see Liam Neeson and Russell Crowe have a, have a Zeus off, I'll say that much. <laughs> I, I mean, I have to be careful about criticising Russell Crowe's accents, because he doesn't do very... He's got form with people who criticise his accents in various <laughs> movies. Um, okay. I mean, it is Taika Waititi again, huge and colourful. I've got... Two questions for you about the character Korg. Yeah. Now, he's the big blue rock guy. Yeah, he's my, he was my favorite in Ragnarok. I love that guy. Right. He's so funny. He's voiced by Taika Waititi. And I wondered, because one of the sort of framing devices of this movie is that Korg is telling a story of Thor. He's mm-hmm. sort of relating the story. And I actually wondered if what we were seeing for most of the film was not the actual action, but actually Korg's version of it recounting unreliable of it. narrator stuff yes. possible yeah <laughs> which might account why for you know large sections of the movie being incredibly silly mm-hmm. yeah and detail light in certain places yes. as well yeah yeah so I wondered about that the other thing is right at the end of the movie this is hopefully not too much of a spoiler Korg has a partner mm-hmm. 
and I think the partner is Dwayne. And is that a joke about Dwayne the Rock? <laughs> Could be. Although I think that's also just a good, like, for me, always part of the funniest thing about The Rock being named Dwayne Johnson is that Dwayne is a very funny name. You know, anyway. I think of uh, a, a Red Dwarf where, um, you know, the cat gets all of his coolness sucked out and becomes Dwayne Diddley. Yes. You know? Yeah. In a great, great episode. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's, it's an inherently funny name that when you say that, you know, that when you say that name, it's sort of like, no, no offense to Dwayne, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got a silly name too. I meant Conrad. It's ridiculous. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I met a guy named Dwayne. It's funny. But I could also see that. Although, although, he, although he had a mustache, it was not a, a key. No, not a, a key, key rock, rock feature, indicator. No. no. Uh, but, but, you know, shout out to Marvel for finally having um, openly queer characters as sort of like lead characters at last. Because there's two of the main cast. It's sort of like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Queer characters, which is great, thank goodness, at last, because they've been shying away from that for a while, haven't they? Okay, um, would you recommend Thor: Love and Thunder? To oh, you? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've definitely have told a couple of my friends to go. You know, I told Fox and Say Spinner to go check it out and stuff. I think it's very fun and just right. sort of like, you know, fits the especially if you liked Ragnarok, it feels fits a similar brief. I'd say it just sort of here's sort of some fun sci-fi action comedy kind of stuff. We've seen three Marvels this year. We've seen the Spider-Man movie. We've seen mm-hmm. the Strange movie. We've seen uh, Thor now. Where would you put Thor in the ranking of those three? Because Doctor Strange is obviously still your number one, I would guess. Yeah. It? I mean, I'd have to put it on the bottom, I guess. Just yeah. Sort of just be, I think it probably- just because of the nature of the lists and stuff yeah. like that. You know, um, yeah. For me, it'd be Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Thor. And actually, I'd say Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, especially as time has gone by and I've thought about the more I have, are very evenly... Match like they're very they're very close together. I'd say, and, and that's probably a reflection of how good those two films are, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and just sort of how they hit, like really hit the hit the marks that I was looking for. Yeah. I guess, like I said, Thor's got some structural problems. I feel like a little bit, especially the start, where things feel like there's rumors of a director's cut. Right, I could see a version of Thor of Love and Thunder being really good if it's like an extra twenty minutes or something like that. Actually, right. how about you, Eamon? How would you? Rate well, I, I think I think I'd put them the same actually, and I'd probably it's an unfair question. I suppose the, the fairer question is, would you rather go and see Thor: Love and Thunder again, or go and see Morbius or the Batman again? And the answer would be no. I think we'd go and see Thor. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to give any more money to like I saw we saw Morbius once. And yeah. I, I, I don't want to encourage them. You know, where from our last film or. Our first film club reading, we are, of course, in a post-attempted Morbius re-release world, you know, which is always exciting. Yeah, no, I don't don't have time to watch Batman again. I got a little life, you know. (laughs) I I don't want to see Batman again. I don't want to see Morbius again, but I would go and see Thor Love and Thunder again. And I guess while we mentioned Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, we were trying to work out what the next film we're probably going to go and see together is. Because we saw a trailer for, of all things... Yeah, Black Adam. Black Adam. I'm excited, honestly. Right. Which I think... Did it say September, October? I, I think, think so, yeah. It's coming up, but yeah. a, a little ways away. You know, we sort of got to let the, all the other movies come out now. Yeah. So Black Adam might be our next film. Although we might try and get do something with Judge Minty and Strontium Dog yeah. at some point. If we can meet up with one or both of the Steves. Yeah. Um, and uh, Black... Panther Wakanda Forever is coming out at some point. Yeah, I believe Spider-Verse 2. 
Oh, Spider-Verse 2. Is also in, in, in a 2022 release. So I think that'll be coming out as well. Oh, I'm excited now, Conrad. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Listen, that, that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, wait. Before we do anything else, I also want to just give a shout out to uh, to friend of friend of our shows, Mark Sexton, who did storyboards for Thor, which is very cool. <laughs> yes. Um, Mark I, Sexton, friend of our pods. He's been on both our podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I say, yeah. But you know, and so he he posted some some of the stuff he did on 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 Facebook, and so it was very much sort of after he posted those, I spent I was like when I was watching the movie, I was, I was looking for those moments and stuff, which was which is a fun fun little game to do, I think. And of course, what Marvel movies have done very successfully is make us all sit through the credits now. And Absolutely. I, I was pleased to see a shout out to Jason Aaron, and then we both saw Mark Sexton's name come yeah. up on the screen, which is like, hey, I know wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well spotted, well, well remembered, Conrad. Okay, so we will be back uh, later on in the year, either with some Judge Minty or with... Um, yeah, Black Adam. Maybe Black Adam. Listen, I'm a huge uh, uh, rock fan from way back interest and, and and I also really liked the uh, the Shazam movie right so right. I'm excited for this one okay well Mega City Film Club will return until then I've been Eamon I'm Conrad and hey. we've been Mega, Mega City, City Film, Film Club, Club. Right.